0: Hey, this is Tolly Wilkes of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. As I, as I think about um, Father's Day, I also think about the the challenge that we are as, as a culture, um, as a society. Um, we're just in a position where... Uh, where where people are hurting all over for a lot of different reasons. Um, you have a pastor who didn't have a father. Um, my father walked out on my mother. My mother was 16 when she got pregnant. And um, she was certainly not married. And at 17, just a couple weeks after her birthday, she had me. And uh, so I'm the product of uh, an sex outside of marriage, uh, unwed mother, Uh, absentee father and um, as a young person it uh, I did my best to kind of just push away the idea that I needed a dad that that I needed a father and so what I did was I essentially when I found Christ as a teenager I came to believe in Jesus none of my family were Christians and when I found Christ I realized the Bible calls God uh, our father our Heavenly Father and so I just decided two things. One, to be a godly man. I was, this was a 13-year-old brain. That, you know, if I just do the opposite of everything that that man did to me and my family, I'll probably turn out pretty good. And then the other thing I thought was, uh, I know I need godly examples, but the greatest godly example that I could have is God. And so I just dug into the Scriptures whenever it talked about God being our Father. I wanted to know what those attributes were. And so over time, God gave me the grace to have uh, other mentors step in and and come into my life. I would say in two-year windows almost. God allowed me to have some godly influence to help me become uh, a a man pursuing after God's own heart. And uh, so with all of that, I want you and I want us on this Father's Day to think about the fact that we, we live in a society um, that in many ways is breaking down from the inside when it comes to fathers and men and dads. And um, I want to encourage you to take a look at this video and uh, I'll come back to talk.
1: Nearly 40% of all children in the United States are born out of wedlock. Nearly 35% of Caucasian children are born out of wedlock.
0: More than half of all Hispanic children in the U.S. are born out of wedlock.
1: More than 70% of all African-American children are born out of wedlock. One out of three children in America live in homes without their biological fathers. This means 24 million kids are growing up in homes without their dads. Children who grow up in fatherless homes are five times as likely to be poor. Fatherless boys and girls are two times as likely to drop out of high school, two times as likely to end up in jail, and four times as likely to have emotional and behavioral problems. 71% of pregnant teenagers grow up without a father. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state reform institutions grew up in single-parent homes or without parents. Children who grew up in fatherless homes are twice as likely to abuse alcohol or illegal drugs. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. For all your sons and daughters are walking in the darkness we're calling us to lead the life to you. Will you make a difference? Will you make a difference? Will you make a difference? So that I can live a better life. Will you make a difference? Mm-hmm. Will you make a difference? So I don't become a parent before I'm ready.
0: You can make a difference.
1: So that I don't have to give myself a to feel loved. You can make a difference. So I don't have to get high to numb the pain. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. So I don't look to gangs to be my family. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. So that I don't have to learn what it means to be a man from the streets. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. So that I can experience the love of Christ. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Deuteronomy 11, 18 and 19.
0: The video speaks about statistics of not having a dad present. But as a pastor, I can tell you the status quo is even worse. The status quo is that fathers, yes, they're absent physically, but fathers that are even physically present are often absent emotionally, absent spiritually. I've met so many adults who've had no support from their fathers, even when their dads were in the other room. I've met many who were never told that they were loved by their dads. I've met many who have had fathers who were physically, emotionally, or verbally abusive. Simply being present in a building doesn't guarantee that you're a godly father. And so as a result of all these statistics and many others, our our entire culture has kind of shifted to this place to where we feel like there's only two views of what manhood is. That men are just ignorant and abusive. We have depictions of men being drunk and violent Proud, beating their chest, taking advantage of, of others around them. There's this image that young people um, look at and they say, well, that's what it, is that what a man is? And there are young men who are growing up believing that that's what a man does. Pound the beers, go after women as notches on your belt and just plow through life. Disrespect people. The other image can be that men are clueless and, and ultimately useless. That they're mentally clueless. They don't know what they're talking about. They're emotionally clueless. And in our society, many people believe men are unnecessary. Our entire culture is confused over the idea of validating any view of manhood. Boys without fathers are are, are having sons of their own without knowing how to raise them. Our inner cities especially cry out for men to lead, but our culture is telling
1: men to take a back seat. Today I want to um, talk to you from a passage in Colossians.
0: Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. So what I want to do is read this one passage and then I'm going to try to unpack a little bit more uh, and expand the view. The Scripture says in Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged discouraged. I got to tell you, as a pastor, uh, a lot of times pastors will take a verse that they like, teach on it and expand on it and ignore what might be controversial or challenging around that verse. And I've decided in my ministry to not do that. Um, And so as a result, let's read that passage right there that surrounds it. This is uh, a chapter at the end of a chapter speaking on Uh, how homes are to be handled. I want to address those things first that aren't necessarily uh, a father particular. And then I want to dive into the father particular stuff because I don't want that to be a distraction for you to read other stuff and say, what's up with that? Verse 18, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, Do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, some scripture uses the word slave here. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of eye service, meaning just doing right when they look at you, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer, this is important, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done and there is no partiality. For there is no partiality. You see, in the context of households, I want you to look and see quickly what's um, being spoken of towards the the men in this chapter. Verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh. You see, what I've come alongside, and we're having this problem even now, it's repugnant that we're still having this issue, but we're having this problem even now where some men believe that based on a passage like this or another passage someplace else, that you know what this means? This means that God has given me the unfettered authority to just make demands and to push people around and to do my thing no matter what. Because after all, my DNA says I'm a man. But actually... It's an ignorant understanding of the whole passage. Look what it says to the husbands. Love your wives. Do not be harsh. And then verse 21, when it talks about your role as a father, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Being a godly man, if you're writing notes today, being a godly man requires surrender to the superhero in you. Being a godly man requires surrender to the superhero in you in you the reality is when we look at this passage what we see is we see that that the the man in the household the husband in the household is supposed to be number one numero uno on the servant ladder meaning that that the way that it's supposed to work is not hey I'm a man therefore you do what I say no the way it's supposed to work is as the husband as the father I'm first in line to being humble. I'm supposed to be first in line to being subservient to Jesus. I'm supposed to be first in line with seeking justice, doing justice. I'm supposed to be first in line with loving mercy. People that beat their chest and scream at others and put others down are not humble. Are not seeking out justice. Are not living out mercy. So that view of manhood shouldn't even exist in order to abuse the passages of Scripture. Because what it means is the Scripture actually tells men, as, the, as that head of that home, your responsibility is to me. Like, I'm going to hold you accountable. When we go back to Adam and Eve, even in that story, what do you think, did, did God look and just say, hey, oh, Eve, Eve did her thing, we're going to punish her. No, God looked at
1: Adam and said, what's up with you, bro? Like, what you have a responsibility in this. And so all throughout Scripture, men are actually supposed to lead the way in service, in humility, in kindness,
0: in gentleness, in respect, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy,
1: peace. Men are supposed to lead the way in biblical character. Men
0: are supposed to lead the way in charity. Men are supposed to lead the way in sacrifice. Men are supposed to set a tone for everyone around them that says, even though I have a strong exterior or a
1: strong flesh, I want to show you that true strength comes from being humble before God.
0: I want to show you that that I'm the first in line To say, yes, Lord, whatever you say. And it's from, listen, listen, listen. It's from that humility. It's from that meekness. It's from that place of doing justice. Loving mercy. Walking humbly every day. It's from that place. of of If you love someone, consider them above
1: yourself. It's from that place that a man is to be a man
0: if you If you have a, a a man in your life, whether it's a relationship or a friend or neighbor, if you have a man in your life who takes seriously the gospel of Jesus and who surrenders his life. To the call of Jesus. Who surrenders his behaviors to the call of Jesus. Who surrenders his humility and pride to the call of Jesus. If you have that kind of man. If you have a humble,
1: Lord-seeking, prayers-that-make-you-cry type of man around you. Then, if they're being obedient, serving Jesus, hearing from the Lord in prayer
0: more than they run their mouth. They're caring about others more than they care about themselves. They're constantly giving away. I posted a picture that's going around that absolutely defines what what a father should be. It's a picture of of a man who has all these blocks taken out of his body and his son has one missing block and the man takes one more block from his broken body and gives it to his son that type of servitude, that type of humility, that type of love for another, that, my friend,
1: is a man that we can place into this passage and not be offended by. A a
0: broken before Jesus, humble, servant, loving, honoring, Gospel-driven, prayer-driven
1: type of a man then we can look and say, let's look at the wife. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. What does that mean? It means means if this guy is before the Lord, if this guy is seeking Jesus, we don't need to have a fight all the time. That's all that means. I'll also
0: say another word, how this works just quickly to touch on that, because I don't want to run from it, but it's
1: not the main point for today in our home. um, The way this works out. Is I do next to zero. If my wife isn't cool with it.
0: Very little. Why? Because if you have a wife that's saying, "Okay, Tolly,
1: I'm going to I'm going to let you lead. And you have a husband who's completely humble and completely wanting
0: to show love and show honor and do Philippians chapter two, which is consider others above yourself. Then what you have is a husband who says.
1: I know I've been given this responsibility to lead the home. But if you don't want to go, I want to hear
0: if this isn't what your heart is, I want to know why. I I, I want to learn. And here's the deal. If you're really humble. If you're really seeking the Lord. If you're really seeking justice. If you're really wanting to demonstrate love with your life. Guess what, men? What you won't do. Is you will not ramrod. You will not bulldoze. You will not say, I don't care about you. I'm doing it. The Bible says I'm
1: in charge. No. There's an old adage that is completely true. If you have to tell people that you're the leader, you're not. If you have to tell people that you're in charge, you're not. And so the Bible sets up this picture
0: where we have humble, God-honoring, prayerful, servant men who don't take pride and don't take beating their chest as a way to live life and they are listening constantly to their children and to their wife and 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 they're 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 forming a sense of home
1: and warmth and love and then they go take the next hill and what you might have seen
0: what you may see publicly is the bravado and the nasty talk and the beating of chest and the pounding back of beers and the sleeping with women
1: that is not a godly Man. And the Lord, over and over in Scripture, Deborah, Lydia, Mary, the Lord
0: in many cases, came to the women and utilized the women and had the women who were praying and seeking and stirring, and He worked through them.
1: God will do His mission. He might not do it with you though. So for any man that you hear
0: taking the Scripture out of context and talking about you shut up, you just do, I'm the man
1: and God said I'm the leader. No. You lose. But for those who, who find themselves as a
0: man, if you find yourself pursuing Jesus, you're going to be one of the most humble people in your house. You're, you're, you're going to lead out in serving others. You're going to lead out in caring for the least of these. You're going to lead out in honoring other people. You're not going to have to have your name in lights because that's not what's important to you because it wasn't important to
1: Jesus. And so, with that being said, you look down the rest of that passage and it says that the bondservants, I have to give you a word quickly on bondservants.
0: In this season of time, in this time frame, the, the word slave is not an accurate translation for us who live in modern America. Because when we think of slavery, we think of the brutality and we think of African-Americans being enslaved. We think of um, all of that kind of behavior. Um, in this time, only essentially landowners had any kind of authority. And what was happening is you had people that would be indebted to, to landowners and then afterwards they had a choice they go off and be free but they have no land they have no way to make money or they would go and they become a bond servant they would go and they would essentially go to a landowner and say hey can i can i work for you and live off of your land can i can i have this and they made a commitment to be part of the family as a bond servant so it's a servant based off of the bond that they've made it's the bond servant and it's the bond and bond servant that helps make this make a little more sense and so what it is, it's a, it's a person that gets into a voluntary contract that says, you know what, I, I have no ability out on my own and I have to, to get by in life. And so what would happen is when they made this bond-servant relationship, they, they came into a, a servant-style position with the master of the house, whoever owned the property, whoever ran the place. And so what happened is, is that they had to listen. They made a bond agreement, and the master said, "Hey, go do that job. Go do this job. Go there and get me that." And they they were a servant to that person, and in exchange they got food and they've got a paycheck and everything else. And so as a result, the scripture says, "Hey, in the order of things, the the man should be this way, and this is how wife and children, and and then it addresses bond servants. The same person who wrote this, uh, Paul, also." is the one that wrote other passages of Scripture, which I would argue make a great case for freedom. Uh, would make a great case for equality. And so as a result, uh, if you look at this as only a slavery, you'll say, man, what's the Bible doing embracing that? And let me go ahead and tell you, uh, in history, there have been people who misuse this passage as well to try to subjugate other people. But I don't want to run from it. It's just not the, the main, main thing. If you want more information or you want to talk about it, I'll be glad to at a different time here's the deal the biggest thing with men you need to understand is is that none of this is applicable to you until you've been surrendered to the Spirit of God if you're a man in this passage Romans 8 9 says you however are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the Spirit if indeed everybody say if indeed if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ they do not what belong to Christ Jump on down to verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you've received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you've received um, brought about your adoption to sonships. And by Him, the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our Spirit that we are God's children. You see, this passage that's speaking about husbands, love your wives, and and fathers, uh, don't, don't provoke your children. This whole passage has to do with people who are in Christ, who have the Spirit of God in them. The Scripture says the Spirit of God is, is at will and at work to help us to do what God's called us to do. Meaning that, that when I don't want to, the Spirit of God in me wills me to. The Spirit of God in me gives me the power to say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and this, the superhero in me allows me to go ahead and do things that I don't want to do in the flesh. The Spirit of God. And so the model of Scripture is designed towards uh, not just every single person out there and not every single person has a right to live this way. It's the ones who are submitted to the Spirit of God. Ladies, if if your husband is not submitted to the Spirit of God, if you're dating someone and they are not submitted to the Spirit of God, this doesn't apply for you. And I would run and turn tail and go the other way. Because what you're looking for is a man who's first submitted to the Spirit of God before he's ever asking anyone else in his life to submit to him. What you're looking for is ultimate humility because that person is the chief servant. That person understands who the Spirit of God is. That person understands who Jesus is. That person understands their role in listening to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit before they ever ask anybody to listen to them. And it's only under that umbrella, it's only under that protection that everything else can make sense. Outside of a person that is ultimately humble, ultimately committed to the Spirit, ultimately listening to the God, outside of that, Men are flesh. And our flesh is sinful. And the things that will proceed from the mouth come from the heart. The heart is deceitful. This is why when people look and they just say, man, uh, you know, is that really what what God said? That that men are allowed to be that way and be leaders and stuff? And and people are confused because you go look and go, no. The scripture says, unless you have submitted yourself to Jesus, And the Spirit of God has taken residency in you. And you're not even of me. So forget about the order I've established. You're not even of me until you start to submit to the Spirit. And so men in this room, submit to the Spirit. The thing that men need to understand is we're stewards, not owners. We're stewards, not owners. Let's look back at that passage again now and unpack it. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. John Piper had an article on this that I read seeking out different things on Father's Day and he suggests this passage should be interpreted from the bottom up. Essentially, go to, the, go to the last part and then work your way back and it makes a lot more sense. So that's exactly how I want to unpack it. Let's look at this. Lest they become discouraged. Superhero dads move humbly under the lordship of Christ. Superhero dads move humbly under the lordship of of Christ, Life is not meant to be listless, void, depressed, overworked. Life is meant to be lived in the light of heaven. And it's in that vein that man, the best thing a man could do for his children is to live as one changed by Christ. The best thing you could do for anybody around you is first live as you're changed by Christ. There are too many men who aren't changed by anything. Too many men that couldn't change their, 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 their own drawers without people around them helping them too many men that that don't have the change of Jesus in them that are walking around acting like they're just deserved some position or rank or honor I've noticed that the people in nonprofit world and especially in the church world the people that rush to the front to try to be the leader most usually aren't respected or loved their leaders in their industries the people that come into the church and just like shoot to the top let me run that let me do that that person a lot of times is not genuinely a leader other places. They haven't established themselves as being a humble servant that other people want to follow. And so in the nonprofit profit in the church world especially, we've got to look for people who are humble. But it says, lest they become discouraged. A, a, a man shouldn't walk around discouraging um, their children. They shouldn't walk around trying to put their kids down so that they can fill some kind of empty ego. We do not teach our children to live for victory, but to live from victory. We don't teach our children to live for victory, but to live from victory. The Christian life of hope is more caught than taught. It's faithfulness over facts. People forget what you say. They, they forget what you've studied. Forget your occupation. When your child studies you, do they see a man who is walking with the God of the universe? You see, at the end of it all, the scripture says, hey, fathers, you know what? Uh, don't be harsh to your kids or, 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 or don't provoke your children. Why? Because your children have become discouraged. So what is the opposite of discouragement? What is the goal really to do for children? If the goal is to say, hey, don't let your kids become discouraged, then what does God want us to do for our children? He wants us to invest what? Courage. Courage. If discouragement is bad, then encouragement is good. And so you and I as men, as living in our communities, living in our homes, what a man should be doing is looking for ways to encourage others. If the scripture is so against discouragement of raising our children, we need to go the opposite direction. And that is to encourage. That is to encourage your wife. That is to encourage your children. That is to encourage your neighbor. That is to encourage the people that you bump into that you don't agree with. Hey, I I, hello, hello, I disagree with you. Awesome. Good to meet you. My name's Tolly. Yeah, I don't think you heard me right. Like, What's supposed to happen is if I disagree with you, you're supposed to yell at me and then we get on Facebook and we yell at each other. No. I'm supposed to live for encouragement. And you are too. And so the Scripture tells us, hey, don't raise your kids. Don't go after your kids so that they become discouraged. Dad's in the room. The best thing you can do is to walk walk in Jesus and to encourage your kids because when they study you, they see the Lord's work in you. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You could ask my kids. I'm not perfect. Pretty close. I'm just kidding. No, but it's not that you're perfect. It's just that you're seeking the Lord and you're humble and you care about others and you're, you're pursuing Jesus. You're pursuing encouragement. So let's continue backwards. Do not provoke your children. Do not provoke your children. The picture here might be of, of, of sticking a, a, a stick and, and, and poking a lion. It's sticking a stick and poking your puppy when they're in their crate. Sticking your stick and, and provoking and, and, and upsetting. Don't unnecessarily do that. The scripture also says that for us to not lord over anybody. Don't, don't act like it's such a way where you're, you just want to make sure that everybody knows you're in charge. Don't act like that. Just walk around and the scripture tells us don't provoke your children because they'll end up getting discouraged. Superhero dads mold hearts with love and compassion. Dad, you know the best tools that you have at your disposal? Love and compassion. Love and compassion. The greatest tool you've got is because you're you're the man. But if you're not in touch with your emotional side, if you're not able to demonstrate love, if you're not able to say these words, men, I'm
1: sorry. And you've got a problem. Because you're not always right. I um
0: was coming in the other night from uh, outside or I don't know what I was doing with the, Cooking on the grill or something. And uh, my, my son Caleb was playing basketball and didn't see me. And so we have kind of a rule. Like if I'm nearby, like I don't know, I don't want a basketball to hit my head. So it's kind of a rule in our house. Don't hit dad in the head with a basketball. And uh, so I, I, I walked by and and came through the door, and, uh, and the ball was shot, bounced off the rim, and he yelled real quick. He's like, Dad, watch out! And I, I quickly moved like the Matrix. That's me. Imagine me as the Matrix. So I quickly moved out of the way. Ball goes by, and I had a scowl on my face. And I, and I felt it. You ever, you ever feel when you're mad? Like you know whatever's here can't be good. Right? You're like, I feel, I feel like dragon fire inside. So whatever's on this face probably isn't good. And I felt that way. And I walked by my son. And uh, I went and did some other things. And he took his ball and he put his ball down. And
1: he went to another room. And went and sat down. And, I heard the voice of the Lord. A heavenly angel. And the voice of God said, you're a loser. I said, yeah, I am. So I went and I yelled for
0: my son. I said, Caleb, come here. He comes over. last face he had was
1: Angry Dragon Boy. So he's a little kind of like, okay, what's about to happen? And I said, son, I'm really sorry. I said, you had no way of knowing I was coming through that door. came from inside to outside. How are you supposed to know? And so I asked for his apology and I gave him a hug. Man, too many of us are pretending to be a superhero on the outside, but you're not listening to the superhero on the inside when the Spirit of God has taken up residency in your heart, say yes to the Spirit. Because He will be the one who gives you the will and the ability to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. Humility is not a feminine issue. Serving others is not a feminine issue. We live in a whacked out culture where we're assigning verbs and adjectives to genders. And dudes, you need to be able to be in touch with the Spirit of God.
0: You need to be able to shed a tear once in a while. You need to be able to tell your kids, your children, you mean my children, I'm the man of the house. You're going to tell them I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. When you're an idiot, fess up. Because they already know. I respect people, and I know you do too, who will admit to me when they've done something wrong. Do not provoke your children. This could say, instead of do not provoke your children, it could say, hey, knock it
0: off. Be loving. Don't do stuff to take advantage of your position. But men, one thing you need to look at in this, And ladies, for your comfort to be around godly men the way it's supposed to work is, jump down to that last verse. Verse 25. What does it say? For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And what? I can't hear you. There is no partiality. You see the way this whole thing's supposed to work with godly men is supposed to be that they they seek justice, they they do justice, they walk humbly, and and, and they 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 go out and they they love mercy, they love mercy, they can't wait to give away mercy. And so instead of poking their kids, instead of poking people around them, instead of domineering everybody who comes into their sphere, instead of being a black hole of emotion and sucking up the energy of a room, what they do is they love mercy, and they, they love to be humble, and they, they seek out justice for others. And that kind of person who's listening to the Lord, who's able to say, I'm sorry, who's the chief servant of all, that kind of person is a person worth following. But just in case you're concerned, you might get a wayward man that's not really being biblical. Look at verse twenty it says for the wrongdoer will be what? paid back for the wrong he's done and what? there is no partiality so what that means is if you rub elbows with a man who's not acting like a biblical godly man one thing you can be assured if you don't see it worked out in in your sphere there is no partiality to God dealing with that man And man, if if you are in this room and you're running your home in some kind of haphazard way that's not very loving, if you're running your business, if you're running your, your neighborhood, you're running your friends,
1: if you are a bully to everybody around you, if that's who you are, verse 25 is a gift to you. Don't act like that. Lastly, we go to the word fathers. Superhero dads make heaven seem likely to a little child. Superhero dads make heaven seem likely to a little child. What it means is that the word Father is a unique role. It's a weighty role. That the Scripture
0: over and over and over uses the word Father to talk about our God. And there are so many adults that I meet that have a hard time connecting with God as Father because they've had losers that have called themselves Father. And that Word has been so abused and the Word has been so maligned and the
1: Word has been so hurt that they can't understand why God would want to identify as Father. So men... Understand, you make heaven more likely if you honor God in your role as Father. There's a responsibility to carrying the title of Father. Our country, our culture has an absence of fathers. A lot of men don't believe it's important. Some
0: men believe it's so important that even if they're divorced or separated and things didn't work out when they were younger, some men believe so much in the role of
1: father that they'll bust heaven and earth to get to be with their kids and to love their kids. And for those men, I take my hat off. Because you're honoring the name Father. But If you're in this room and you're a product of a
0: home where you say, Pastor, I, I, I'm more like you. I, my dad wasn't there. Or my dad was in the room, but he wasn't very loving. He wasn't a real godly example. If that's you, I want you to know something. You've got a heavenly Father who will never fail you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. If you're a young man in this room saying, hey, I'm not really sure if I've had the best examples of what a father is, do what I did. Just pursue and eat up the Scriptures on what a godly father should be. The best human examples still fall short of the majesty of who God is. And so I want to encourage you. Seek after your heavenly Father. The Apostle Paul said, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we'll see face to face. One of the greatest ways that children get to see God
1: even a little dimly is if they have a godly Father. So men, I commend you. Those of you that are active and present
0: and humble and serving fathers, I commend you. Those of you that know that you need to go fix some things today, I commend you for knowing that. I commend you for listening to the Spirit of God. For those of you that have not had the best father, the example, please understand, your daddy in heaven's never left. Go pursue
1: him. For the rest of us who would say, Hey, I think I had it okay. Maybe today you call your dad. Maybe today you
0: write down, Hey, thanks for the, the way you modeled things. But for all of us, I want to encourage you. The beginning today, I showed a video of a lot of fatherless homes. I don't care if you're a man or woman in this room. My, my greatest uh, mentors, many of them were, were women. And a vice president of the university I was at when I flunked out my freshman year. She was my mentor for a year. Male or female in this room, I want to encourage you there are a lot of young men and young ladies
1: who don't have what we just talked about today. And they need people who know Jesus, who do ju- justice, love mercy, walk humbly they need those examples in their lives. And so if anything else out of today, maybe you'll ask the Lord, Lord, help me to be there for the fatherless.
0: Help me to be there for those people, those kids who don't have anybody. And guess what? Help me to be there for the grown-ups that are my peers who are still dealing with the bad residue from their childhood. Help me to be sensitive This Father's Day, I pray that you'll celebrate your dads. I pray that you'll celebrate the ultimate dad. And I pray that you'll go, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly.